Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, your buddy Gavin, once again, filibuster freestyle here on a very, well, it's not that dark out right now, but I'm in a very dark studio right now because the power is out in the building. However, there's a little bit of natural light coming in. It's about, I don't know, let me see what time it is. It's 8.25. I had to look at my phone because all the clocks are out. Lightning storms came through Charlotte. I am supposed to talk to our buddy, Marky Sal, CEO of Marky Sal Wall Decor, in about five minutes. So um, wanted to do some research and stuff on the internet for this topic, etc. cetera. Um, unable to access the internet, really. Trying to conserve power on my cell phone. Uh, the laptop's running right now with the battery. The microphone is plugged into the laptop. So this pod will last either as long as it has to or as long as it, it can due to power constraints. So I'm going to press stop in a second. Cue the theme song, Bring in Marky Sal. We're talking about the Democratic debates, which I believe happened like last week, uh, the second round of debates. And Marky Sal, avid politico and political junkie, avid Democratic political junkie and commentator. He's done stuff for us before. So I'm going to have to wing it, but luckily Marky should be pretty prepared. So here comes the theme song, but please, before the theme song, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Filibuster Freestyle. Follow me on Twitter at Gavin Viano. Go to www.filibusterfreestyle.com from time to time and check out our, our show notes, our blog. We got some pictures, we got some old episodes, we got new episodes, etc. And um, subscribe on, on uh, Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet. Leave a rating if you haven't yet. Leave a review if you haven't yet. Helps people find the show. And for all y'all Droid users, Google Music Play can subscribe to the Filibuster Freestyle there, as well as SoundCloud. Here comes the theme song, then Marky Sal from Marky Sal Waldecor. Alright, ladies and gents, as promised, joining us from the great state of Massachusetts, Marky Sal from Marky Sal Waldecor. How are you, buddy? Hey Gav, how you doing? I'm good. I'm glad you're good. You told me during the very brief pre-show that you just got your your baby, your da- daughter, to bed. So we we thank her for uh, going to bed yeah. on time. Just in time, thanks, Lex. <laughs> and I had mentioned to you that I am without power, so we're on battery here. Uh, so we're gonna go as long as we can, or as long as we need to, whichever comes first. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And uh, you know, I was full disclosure to you. I was kind of out of the country, and then getting my crap back together. Uh, during the second round of Democratic debates, this most recent round of Democratic debates, we are still in a two-night format, which means you get half or so of the candidates one night, half or so of the other, and they, they've kind of been breaking up the frontrunners. What, what, first of all, is your thought on them breaking up the frontrunners into two different nights, besides obviously trying to get people to watch both nights? Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think they have to break them up to, to get people to watch because, you know, if you put the secondary tier candidates all on one night, nobody would watch. But uh, I, I, I think it's fine. I think it's the, their only choice. Um, I obviously, I think most people would agree that, you know, the biggest problem is that there's – the biggest problem for the debates is that there's uh, too many candidates. Too many cooks in the kitchen, too many candidates sure. on stage. and. 
Honestly, people don't remember this, but there was a lot of candidates in the Republican primary many years ago. And by many, I mean yeah. th- two, three, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember I did a um, like a a pool, like a um, not a pool, but like uh, like a bracket scenario during that time, and uh, it was like a, for the Republican uh, nomination. And it was so funny because like it was all these different people, you know, knew uh, you know different amounts about politics, but no one had Trump winning. No one had Trump anywhere near the top, and then he just barrel assed through the whole thing and. Took it over. C- certainly did, and now we're uh, we're on our way to a dictatorship. It's amazing. Um, Halfway there. But the good news is that we are still having democratic debates, and ostensibly there will be a challenger, and maybe maybe we'll even have a free and fair election, or at least something close enough to it to get a a non dictator result. But um, maybe that's a different podcast. Maybe that's something we'll get into later. But. So we've got these these dueling debates. We've got some well-known candidates, some very little-known candidates. Um, You know, the one thing I will say off the top is you and I did something similar to this way back before the debate started when we were kind of like figuring out who was running. And it was, I don't don't know if it was January or or March. It certainly wasn't after that, Marky. But at the time, I still didn't know how to pronounce Pete Buttigieg's last name. And he has made, in my opinion, so many strides to go from didn't know how to say his last name to where he is now in probably six months or less. Regardless of where you think he is or whatever, that, that alone is pretty impressive. I think he's cut through the clutter of the anonymous candidates better than anybody else, in my opinion. That's that's without a doubt. I mean, he's he's impressive. You know, like he just got he's he has an impressive resume, but he also comes off just comes off very well, very genuine. But it also, you know, I guess I would kind of assume that maybe he would, you know, be afraid of the big moment or whatever. But he he doesn't shy away from it. He comes off as you know the type that he's going to be compatible when he needs to. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of his. So Yeah, I've really enjoyed kind of, and when I say getting to know him, clearly I mean becoming aware of him as a candidate. I clearly have never, met, sure. I've never met the man. But anyway, oh. um, so let's talk about this. Open-ended question, but you can go in many different ways. Who, in, in terms of these most recent Democratic debates, do you think strengthened their candidacy the most, or just in general, which candidates do you think were strengthening their, their, their candidacy? Okay, so I I would have to say as far as like um, during the, okay, so just just to back up, I, I honestly don't think that these debates are going to have a huge effect as far as um, you know who ends up winning the nomination or not. Okay, I, I think I think this early on, especially, I think there's just too many candidates, and uh, I think that it's it's hard for people to focus on on. The debates when you know there's just so much going on in the country right now, yeah. you know, especially this past weekend. Um, but as far as like who, let's say, in this last debate uh, strengthened their their case, I'd say uh, Cory Booker had mm-hmm. had a good debate. I think he was uh, you know strong, especially when he kind of went after Biden. Um, and, um, but but I do you know although I do think he probably did the best at like strength in his case I don't think it's gonna help him that much. Okay, and let's stay with Cory Booker for a minute because I actually feel like when we talked, you know, again five six months ago, I feel like both of us felt really good about his ability to maybe get something going here, and, and it is early and a lot can change. But I do agree that he does a good job in terms of the debates and 
he's never done anything wrong, but but he definitely is not picking up. I think the groundswell that maybe I wrongly assumed that he would, at least to this point. Yeah, it's like it's like he has like that like um, that talented politician vibe, you know, sort of similar to like Kamala Harris. Like he just comes off like like easygoing, but also kind of uh, like he's like he's in it for more than just power, you know. But at the, I don't know, he just he comes off like a you know a leader, but he just has had trouble picking up the traction and. and I, I think that part of that has to probably do with the crowded field and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what else, but it's uh, it's definitely hasn't been easy for him. Any, anybody else, in your opinion, really strengthen their candidacy during the course of these debates, despite them not being maybe that important over, overall to the, to the end game? Um, no, not, not really. I would say that um, I think that somebody who's kind of solidified their, their strength and their position would be Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, I think that she's she's very impressive. I think that, you know, uh, the, the knock against her would be that, like, she's too far left. But at the same time, I feel like she does have the opportunity to kind of thread this needle where, although she's too far left, some of that Trump base, uh, they they may want to hear some of the things that she's saying. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's looking to help the, 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 the people that are struggling, you know, that part of Trump's base. So I, I think given some time, she may be able to, to crack that a little bit. So, um, so I, I think that if there was anybody else who I'd say has really, you know, helped or strengthened or, or kept solidified, I guess would be the best word. I think it would be Elizabeth Warren. That's a good take. And, and she, she somehow has like been labeled as really unlikable by a lot of people and therefore potentially unelectable in a general election. But she does – she's very progressive and she doesn't run away from the fact that she's very progressive. But she does like know her stuff, you know, and she isn't afraid and she doesn't back down and all those things are going to do well for her. And I think there are some people who are pretending that she has the same kind of baggage as Hillary Clinton had and she just doesn't. I mean nobody does, right? I mean, no, no. She definitely doesn't. I think I think that she's she comes off as a policy wonk, but she also comes off as a fighter. I think those two things together are certainly going to get her right to the end. Okay, that's a good prediction right there. Um, Kamala Harris, somebody you just mentioned briefly, somebody who I enjoy, somebody who I would definitely would enjoy on a debate stage with uh, Big Donnie. Um, you know, how do you think she's doing so far? Is she doing enough to keep keep it going? I th- I think she is. I think that uh, okay. So w- one of the inf- unfortunate things about the debates is that like you kind of forced to you know p- pull out the knives and go after each other. Yeah. Um. So I think that I think that she did a great job in the first debate, um, going after Biden, and then in the second debate, I think that she kind of had some trouble with people coming after her, like uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Mm-hmm. So. So I think she's held to hold her own. And again, I think that she's at the same position that she was at, you know, right after the first debate, she got a little bump. Yeah. I don't see her losing much of that based on the second debate. Um, I think a lot of that stuff's kind of cooked in at this point. So uh, I, I, I also think that she'll be there at the end and, you know, uh, unless, you know, 
there's some things that happen in the future that you know we we don't know that are coming. But I, I certainly think that she's going to be a strong candidate. Okay, now I'm going to go with this person because you just mentioned her. Tulsi Gabbard, listen to my hot take here. Russian operative. Okay. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you know, it, it, the, the last time we had that conversation, we were talking about the um, the different candidates early on. Yep. And and I and I said I knew that there was something in her background that was kind of weird. Um, and so since then, I've kind of like got a little bit more information, and it's it's number one, she she is a favorite of the Russians for whatever reason. You know, they're. They, she is someone that they support. Now, um, the other thing that's weird about her background is that she is an Assad apologist, yeah. right? So, so saying, trying to like whitewash his his history and saying, you know, what he, what he what he's accused of doing, he didn't really do. I guess she snuck off and had a meeting with him without, you know, notifying, the, you know, anybody else in Congress or whatever. And, and it's so weird because if it if it weren't for those couple of things, she comes off very impressive, like very impressively. Like yeah, she, right. I know what you mean. Like in terms of electability, in terms of a candidate, yeah, likability for sure. And so if it wasn't for those weird things where she's kind of defending dictators and cozying up to you know dictators, which isn't a small thing. I was going to say, yeah, those are big, those are big things. things, (laughs) I think she'd be, you know, higher up than she is. And I don't know if she can shake that. No, I think she's at this point going to be a glorified agitator and honestly, probably try to unearth stuff on the people who will eventually be vying for the nomination to hopefully, you know, give Donnie and give Russia what they need to like try to work against those candidates. Cause she's clearly, you can't be a Democrat and, and, and an effective candidate if you're apologizing for Assad and Russia likes you. I just can't see that all working out. That's a tough, yeah. that's a tough candidacy think, to I, prop up. And I think we're all set with Manchurian candidates at this point. So yeah, we're like, good. We're hot. We'll you know, maybe if, if it hadn't happened a couple of years ago, we I bet I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, so... Um, we've got a lot of other peripheral candidates, most of them who, who barely have a pulse. Um, how do you think Joe Biden's doing though? Speaking of mainstream candidates. Okay. So I think that Joe Biden, uh, you know, his biggest enemy is, is himself (laughs) and that like, you know, if he could kind of just like, I don't know, keep his mouth shut in a certain way and like just kind of ride the Obama coattails, I think I think he he'd have it locked up. Uh, for some reason, I think that he I think he thinks that he's better like on the stump or you know quick witted. I think he's better. He thinks he's better than he really is. Yeah. He gets himself into trouble. Um, I think that the debates haven't helped him. And and you know when you have such a lead as a front runner, they, it's almost impossible because everybody knows the way to you know separate the, themselves from the pack is to take you down. Right. So it's it's a it's a dangerous endeavor for him. Um, I think that he would make a, a good president. I think that he could beat Donald Trump. Um, but at the same, you know, the flip flip side of that, and, and I, I will say, I would be very happy if he if he wins the nomination, beats Donald Trump. The flip side of it is that, you know, I, I think we we might need some gener- generational change. You know, sure. if he's um, if he if he were to win, you know, by the time four years comes, then then they're going to be starting talking like his age is going to be even more. Yeah, he's problem. eighty years old, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And so that's going to be tough. But, I, I, you know, I've always liked Biden. I just think that uh, it, 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 he's going to lose some of that, that front runner status, and, and that'll be interesting. Do you think, and again, I, I, do, I totally agree that he puts his foot in his mouth and always has. I mean, always has, um, which I think leads to your point. He definitely maybe thinks he's a little better off the cuff than he really is. But do you think that as long as it's not a catastrophic blow to the whatever we're calling the people who are younger than millennials, because whoever people, whoever, whatever we're calling that, is it Generation Z, is it Generation XYZ, I don't know. But the people who aren't millennials who are younger than us, so like the youngest people who can possibly vote, he, he's got to not tick them off and he's got to, he or any Democrat needs to turn them out, right? Um, but I think he's still trying to be like, I can win some of these swing states with older white Americans, which not a bad d- decision either because those people vote. But I really think, again, in the primary, his biggest thing is, can he not say anything to go too far left to spook older white voters in swing states? And can he not be so boring and or centrist to not turn out the youngsters? And that's going to be tough for a guy of his age, to your point. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate to be his campaign chairman, right? Because it's like it's like you're you're walking on eggshells. Um, I I don't know if he can. I think I think time time is against him. Um, I I think that's hard. But yeah, you know, he's got to find you know, a way. You know what? You know what he does have right now. What's that? Which which is going to go a long way? Is he has huge African American support. Yeah, like huge, and and so that could carry him. Um, that could definitely carry him because, you, you know, that, that is a huge voting block for the Democratic Party. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, whoever whoever gets the nomination is going to have to really motivate non-white Democratic voters to show up, right? I mean, yep. that's the key. I mean, if you look at—I mean, even the Clinton victories, obviously Bill Clinton was— um, you know, beloved by the entire Democratic electorate, right? Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Obama was able to ride that to two victories as well, you know, being very popular with the entire Democratic electorate. Um, whoever gets this nomination is going to have to either directly or indirectly turn out the entire electorate because that's, I mean, people stayed home in 2016. That's what happened, right? I mean, that's that's how it worked. I don't know if you've seen... The Netflix documentary yet, The Big Hack. Have you watched this yet? Oh, man, it's crazy that you said it. it I just put it onto my list of things to watch, like, yesterday. Like, definitely um, do it. I watched it this weekend after one of my coworkers, Nate, was like, you got to watch this. And, I mean, all they need to do is convince, like, 70,000 voters in the right counties that Hillary is the same, you know, the, it's two of the same evils, her and Donald Trump, and just get swing voters to either not vote or to stay home or to or to... Realize that Donald's the same alternative as her, and those seventy thousand people swung the whole damn thing. And you know that's what they did for Brexit with Cambridge Analytica. Uh, it's, it's a wild, wild documentary. Yeah, did you, there was there was another. Uh, it wasn't a documentary. It was a movie on HBO about Brexit. Did you see that one? I don't know if I seen that one. No. The same guy who played Doctor Strange. Really good. I'd recommend watching that one as well. Oh, word, Cumberpatch. Mm-hmm. And it's Cumberbatch. Nice. Yep. All right, I'll, I'll take a look for that one. We'll go tit for tat on that. Maybe we'll review them both sometime in the pod here. Um, Sounds good. But anyway, the bottom line is you've got to motivate the entire Democratic electorate. F- 
first, I think, and then worry about the swing voters. Because really, if you mobilize the entire Democratic electorate and just people who sat out in 16, you're probably still going to get, you probably can still win it. So I don't know what, I don't, Joe, like you said, Joe's campaign manager, whatever they're paying him or her, probably not enough. No, definitely not. Especially if they thread the needle and win the thing. Now, I don't know. I think I think Buttigieg is doing a good job. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing a good job. I, it's still super early. Let's just talk about Bernie Sanders for a second. I mean, obviously, he's a guy who peaked four years too early. He potentially was also a Russian operative, or at least unwittingly, aided by some of their negative advertising towards Hillary Clinton. Um, because then after the people who were really excited about him kind of went home, and it was found out that the DNC tried to basically rig it against him, um, that really hurt the general Democratic electorate uh, going into the, the general election. But where do you stand on Bernie now relative to Bernie then, or just in general, where do you stand on Bernie? Okay, one thing that I think that the debates definitely kind of highlighted and what's going to be tough for Bernie Sanders to overcome is I don't think that the country is really looking for, they're not shopping around for an angry white male right now. Sure. And <laughs> I think that that's what he brings to the table. I mean, it, it's, I think some of his ideas, uh, his ideas are good. I think, I think that, you know, if, if, if there is somebody who kind of goes too far with things, it, it's certainly him. You know, I think that, you yeah. know, you can't just give everything away free. That, that would be great if you could, you know, yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> but, I, but you certainly cannot. And so, um, I, I, I think that I, if let, let, let's just say if he were to win the uh, nomination, well, Trump's going to be president for more years because he labeled himself a democratic socialist. And whether that's, whether that's right or wrong, it's political suicide. As far as it doesn't doesn't hurt in Vermont, but as yeah. far as winning the presidency, it's going to be tough. So, and again, during, during debates, I think that he kind of just came off as more that way. You know, the the angry white guy, and I, I just think that that's going to be uh, tough for him to overcome. Yeah, I totally agree. It'll be interesting to see if and when he bows out, because um, he'll have a lot of money. You know, he's got he's got a lot of notoriety. He's been basically fundraising nonstop since he ran three years ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when people ba- when people back out um, or drop out or both. They run out of money. Now, when, when he does when he does back out, that's going to be a huge boost to Warren. And one thing that I'm kind of thinking right now is um, during the debates, this last debate, it kind of seemed like. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren kind of had kid gloves on. They didn't go after each other super hard, which, you know, they're in that same lane, so you maybe would have expected them to, um, and they didn't. So I think that, you know, there's a mutual respect there over ideas, and I think that Bernie Sanders probably knows that if he does have to bow out, you know, she would be the standard bearer for the progressive you know, ideas. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, I totally, I agree with that point. They clearly have not gone after each other. Let's talk about some exchanges. Are there any notable or favorite exchanges you've had of, of the candidates either going after each other or piggybacking after each other's points or anything like that? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, they kind of, some of them, like, when, when they're, like, when, when it's trying to be too cute and the, um, <laughs> you know, and you can tell it's like a rehearsed thing, you know, like, uh, Cory Booker went after Biden and said something about like the you know you you dip in the wrong flavor of the Kool Aid, which 
he made it, I, I don't know, it was weird. It got some laughs and, uh, you know, got him a little bit, bit of attention. But th- those kind of things just kind of bother me personally. Okay. But I will say that I do think that him going after Biden with the specifics, you know, the policy about um, what what Joe Biden did to about uh, criminal justice reform when he was in the Senate, I think that was very effective. Um, I think that, I think that, you know, one, that's one of the things, things that's going to be really tough for Biden is he has such a long uh, record that it's easy to go in there and pick things out that you can kind of blow up and make it seem like a bigger deal. I think that's similar to what uh, Kamala Harris did to him in the first debate. Yeah. Um, so so I think that Booker going after Biden was was effective when he wasn't, you know, using the, the funny language or whatever you want to say. And then I also think that um, Tulsi going after Kamala Harris was effective uh, because the way she framed it, what she said was that Kamala Harris, um, you know, they, they were some, some people who were prosecuted, uh, put into prison because of violations having to do with uh, selling marijuana. And then later on, when Kamala Harris was asked about herself personally smoking marijuana, she like laughed. So <laughs> it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this thing where, you know, 2019 has been such, so we've so fast forwarded on so many issues like, you know, with like wokeness or whatever, that when, even if you go back 10 years ago, you can find something in all of these people's records that's going to be embarrassing. And so Kamala Harris kind of doing the job 10 years ago, which, you know, then it was like, oh, you, you, you smoke, you smoke marijuana. We're putting you in a way for 20 years. You know, you're, <laughs> right. you're, you're a terrible person. And now it's like, you can buy that legally in most states or, or many states. And so, and I thought that that was effective. Do I think it's, do I think personally, do I think it's fair? No, but politically, do I think that it's smart? Sure. Yeah. I also do think this is, not related to the debate so much, but to politics in general, it's a little bit weird to watch people try to tear each other down for like contradictory decisions or bad things they used to do when the guy who ran through the 2016 election process has a million skeletons in his closet. We've all seen all the skeletons and enough people were like, eh, screw it. And just was like, I want the celebrity apprentice guy to be my president. So you're going to be going up against a guy who nobody cares what he does in terms of his past personal life or past professional transgressions. So I just think it's funny that we're still going after the, like we're playing the moral card or like the contradictory card and the Democratic side, like it's 20, like it's 2010 again or 2012 again when the person you're running against doesn't care and no one cares what he's done because he's a cartoon character. It's... You can run in two different races, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes in the eventual general election. And, and, and that's a—it's a great point. And you know what? It's—it's—it's it's, it's a reason why you know that I love politics. Um, it's a reason why I wasn't super excited to watch any of these debates because it seems almost silly, right? Yeah. It's like you're going after this other person, you know, attacking Biden, which is kind of like attacking Obama's record, which, you know, compared to Trump, this, this guy's like a saint, you know what I mean? Like the biggest thing against Obama was that he was arrogant. Now we have somebody who's arrogant, racist, um, (laughs) you know, dangerous, like all these things morally corrupt. I could keep going on, but, um, 
so so it's kind of like almost silly to see this infighting going on. Now I don't I don't think there's an answer. I don't think that there's a way around it. Yeah, everybody's trying to win, but oh man, it's hard to watch when when you know we get this dumpster fire going on. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Right, right, and also I understand that you can't have twenty candidates all just pointing out the dumpster fire at all times instead of having any ideas of their own. But right, but but you're but yeah, you're one hundred percent right. So well, that, well, that's different though because I do think ideas of your own, right? If you're yes. only talking about policy, about things that you want to do in the future, that's one thing. Yes. Or going after something silly that somebody did. 2020, yeah, 10, yeah. Come on, it's ridiculous. Totally agree with that, and that's what and that's what people have to figure out. So you know. It, these these debates are really just for the networks to make money, but like obviously you have to show up because you can't afford to not be there when there's 25 people running for president. Um, speaking of which, so like there's Amy Klobuchar, there's the author lady Miss Williamson, whatever her first name is, I apologize. Um, there's others, there are others who are barely Marianne Williams, that's right. Others barely running, like Bill De Blasio, and others like you can you know why even bother, but. Anybody that we haven't mentioned that you think is going to or is capable of vaulting themselves into an actual situation? So let's see. I I have like a um I I did write down some notes like some like tiers, right? Yeah. What do you got? So let's go with the that. Top tier. I have Biden, Warren, Sanders, Harris, and I have Buttigieg right on right kind of on. If it was a Venn diagram, you know, he's right on the way there. Okay. Um. I also and so in the second tier, I put um, Julian Castro, Amy Klobuchar, Bill De Blasio, uh, Gillibrand, um, uh, Cory Booker, and Beto O'Rourke. Now I do think Beto may get a bump because of what's happened in El Paso. Right? Yeah, it's his hometown, he right? Definitely, kind of come off like you know, uh, it's not like he's trying to take advantage of the moment it seems more like you know he just really feels it and and that's coming off very persuasively to me so i do think he'll get a bump because of that i don't know if it'll put him in the top tier so then in the third tier this is where the people who basically have no chance and and i gotta tell you there's probably like six like like white guys in here that i i could you know i have trouble telling which is which so there's like (laughs) tim ryan hickenlooper steve bullock John Delaney, Michael Bennett, Jake Inslee. Um, so all I, I can only tell I you know, if like one of those guys looks like kind of. So I, you're right. One of one of them I know has like a has a like he's focusing on the environment. I think that's cool. You know, I think that's important. There's the guy um, Yang. The, the you yeah, know, he, um, he's got some interesting stuff. He's got some interest, interesting stuff as well. But I don't see any of those people really. You know, having you know, they should drop off t- out today. Um, but uh, I, I do, I do think, I do think in that second tier that I'm talking about, I do think Beto would have a chance. I think Cory Booker might have a chance. Um, I don't really think Klobuchar, Castro. I think he's, I think he's really good. I would like it. I don't think he does. The Blasio, I put him in there just because of New York City. But I don't even know if New York City likes. Him. Yeah, so he, he's not, yeah, he doesn't. He's not even doing well in his own city. Correct. Um, Speaking of that, let me just totally switch gears. Have you heard anything else about Michael Bloomberg getting involved, or is that is that off the table for the time being? I haven't heard anything about Michael Bloomberg getting involved. The only, the only person that I know, you know, the Republicans who is willing to, and I don't even know what he calls himself. I think the last time I knew he was an independent, um, but but 
Um, the only one that I know who's running is or who's even contemplating it would be Bill Weld. Right. Um, I really wish um, Amash would would throw his hat in the ring because uh, I think you know he, he's the only profiling courage you know that you can see out of out of Congress in the, the past couple of years. Um, but other than that, yeah, I don't know anybody else who's willing to challenge, you know, Donald Trump and the Republican Party. Yeah, the Bill Weld thing is actually pretty interesting. Obviously, you know, former Massachusetts governor, Republican governor. I think he was the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party three years ago under uh, Johnson that, or that's whatever. The thing. That's the thing that's going to hurt him. Right. If he didn't do that, he'd have more credibility because— um, because Johnson was kind of a whack job. He was. Is that his name? Johnson? Yeah, Gary Johnson, yeah. Yeah, Gary Johnson. He was a whack job. He, he certainly shouldn't have been on the top of that ticket either way. But um, but I think Bill, Bill Well would be in a much stronger position had he not, uh, you know, went on that. That joyride. Yeah. That was kind of like your buddy calls you to do some dumb stuff and you don't want to do it, but you're like, sure, what the hell? And then, <laughs> then, and then like a better idea comes along like a few years later and you're like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I shouldn't have thrown eggs at that police car or whatever. You know? <laughs> For sure. That is not autobiographical, by the way, listeners. Not autobiographical. Um, and I'm also not running for president, so there you go. But anyway, um, yeah, but the Bill Weld thing, I've been following him a little bit on social media just to try to do my part. To, I mean, I would love to see him. You have to. I would love to see the RNC bite. They won't on letting him debate Trump, but they won't. So um, there's that, that's that. Uh so let me ask you this. Um, people, you've kind of outlined who should drop out today, third-tier candidates. You've, you've kind of outlined which second-tier candidates you think might be able to keep things going. And you, you know, but is there, are there any predictions you want to make? Are you in the business of trying to make a presidential ticket out of, or a, yeah, a presidential ticket out of any of these two candidates? Have you had any thoughts of that? Okay. Um. I haven't I haven't thought about it. Um, well, I guess I should say I've thought about it, but I haven't really come across anything great. But if I'm looking just kind of quickly, I think um, Harris, Beto, yeah. Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, I think would be good. Um, I think a Warren Buttigieg, I think that'd be fierce. Mm. I'd be a big fan of that one. Um, I think, you know, just to kind of fit, first, I don't think Sanders is going to, is going to, I haven't, yeah, I, don't, I can't see that pass support, I agree with you. but I guess I would say, um, Biden and Julian Castro, but actually, no, I think Biden would probably need a female on the ticket. So I think it'd be probably something like Biden, um, I don't, I don't know. I can't even say for Biden. I mean, he'd probably have to find somebody who's not running like, a. But the, who's the woman from Georgia? Uh, Stacey Abrams. Yeah, sure, sure. I think that that would be. I think that that would be really good for him. She, you know, she ran a great race and she's popular in the, in that state. Which you know, it'll be it'll be really big for him to win the state. And if they, if they you know if they leak leak that that's in talks before the primary, that'll help him. So. Yeah, I guess that that would be if I had to, you know, throw that out there. But certainly, I wouldn't put any money down on those. Gotcha. Those are good. Have you have you heard any whispers of Stacey Abrams, or that's just like a hot take from Marky Sal? Uh, it's not. It's. I wish it was a hot take from Marky Sal, but what what I heard this was right before Biden was going to announce. Okay, was that there were rumors 
that he was uh, going to announce, and right away he was going to announce that, that she was going to be his running mate. Uh, they pulled back, and I don't even know if it's true, you know what I mean? But right. uh, that was a rumor that I heard. And, and they, they pulled back on it, I think, for many reasons. Number one, it, it would, it's presumptive of somebody to say, hey, you know what, I'm, I haven't even won the primary, and he has my, my running, running mate. mate. Yeah. Number two, it all, I think that there was also you know, some talk of, you know, where else she might want to go politically and, you know, not necessarily want to be tied to that. So, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Nice. Oh, I don't dislike that. I like that you're just, I just like when Marky Sal's breaking potential news. That's what I like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know, that's why I'm here. That's a hundred percent. That's why you're here. Um, so listen, I could take this in two different directions to end the night. Um, okay. I'm going to just do this. You alluded to it. There's been, there's a, basically a mass shooting in this country every day. Oh, God. And there was basically two, over, like one on Saturday and then one on Sunday morning in El Paso, like you mentioned, with Beto O'Rourke, and then in Dayton. And it's the worst, and it's a drag. But I don't know that you and I are prepared or in a place where we want to talk about that. Aside to say that we really feel bad for everybody who's going through the hardship of that, and it sucks that it keeps happening. Is that fair to say? Oh, I'm ready to talk about it. Oh, okay. Well, if you're ready, then we can... Because the other way I was going to go is going to be related to the National Basketball Association, but let's let's go with the topic of the moment. What, 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 what do you got? I mean, it's... What is it going to take... And the answer is people to stop taking NRA money. But what is it going to take to just put any kind of common sense gun reform... Across, I mean, okay. the house already passed it. Yeah, um, sadly, sadly, and this is one of the things that's most depressing for me as being for being a, a as being a citizen of the United States of America. I don't think anything will change, especially not with things um, lined up the way that they are. When I say that, I mean uh, Donald Trump in the White House, Mitch. Uh, um, Moscow Mitch yep. as the um, as Senate Majority Leader. There's a stranglehold on on anything being accomplished that that doesn't rile up their political base right now. And th- th- that that issue, sadly, is the op- You know, they're they're on the other side of that issue. Now, and the reason that this has me so fired up is because you know, any anybody who who wants to say that this is video games or mental illness or, or any of those kind of things. Like, it's just kind of like uh, disingenuous, right? And especially now that we know that the president has been stoking these things, right? He comes down the escalator and he says, you know, Mexico is sending these rapists, they're sending these thugs. Oh, and some of these people are good too. Now, if, <laughs> right, if, right. If, you, if you can't see that there's a direct correlation between that and somebody going to a Walmart that's on the Mexico-Texas border, yep. right? Where yep. they know that they're going to find a lot of either Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, or illegal immigrants. Purpose of, of choosing that target. Now, I'm Mexican-American. I have children that are Mexican-American. Right. So, to me, it's not that. That's not a thing where you just kind of like. It, it's not. I'm not able to just like laugh it off or. No. Or not, not, not that anybody's laughing it off, but that I can't turn the channel. I can't like. I can't ignore somebody on Facebook. I can't whatever. This is something that like. 
I have to think about. And I, I, I it's, it's, if there was, if there was something to, to make you feel unpatriotic is the fact that these things can happen coming from the top down, from the president down, and that, you know, nothing is going to be done about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the part that's crazy. I mean, the whole thing's crazy, but the part that's crazy is when you see people say, you know, I'm quoting, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm quoting, if the gunman happened to have been, you know, an Islamic, you know, radical, we would be in an emergency session right now talking about, you know, Islamic terrorism. Right now we're talking about mental illness which is a real thing, but most people who I know who have mental illness are a bigger threat to themselves than to strangers, especially strangers of a certain ethnicity or anything else. So, yeah, there's, there's like a double or triple standard. But I would say it's even sadder because people are saying, oh, if this was done by a jihadist, they would come back from their recess and they would be passing gun laws now. And the sad thing is, no, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. And it's because they're in bed with the gun lobby more than they care about anything else besides oh, money and power. That is that, that if, if it, if it meant taking away guns, then, then the NRA would have them defending the jihadist. Right. That's what, that's that what works. I mean. That's, it'd that's be, how crazy this some is. Mental, mental Olympics gymnastics that they'd have to do. But, but to your point, right. Think about, think about Donald Trump and his actions. Right. And, when he came out with the big Muslim ban shortly after he was inaugurated, right? That was a big thing, this Muslim ban. And what, what did he say? We have to stop them coming out until we can figure out what's going on, right? We have to, until we can figure out what's going on, we have to stop this, right? But it's like, we don't have, we don't, we can just keep letting these, uh, you know, white nationalists shoot up and kill people, whether they're, you know, using assault rifles or driving cars into crowds or sending bombs to, to anybody who says something negative to Donald Trump. That's, that, we don't have to do anything about those things, right? right. But we can, we can just across the board, we can say we're not going to let any Muslims into the country. It's, it's just so disingenuous. And, and the people who, who want to keep their head in the sand, that, they don't get any respect from Mark Shaw, I tell you that much. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, people have memories and people keep score. And so, if you make a double standard and you use a good phrase earlier, mental gymnastics, fake band name of the week, you know, if you need to use mental gymnastics to justify how distant <laughs> you're just getting that. <laughs> fake band name of the week, mental we, gymnastics. We needed, we needed to lighten the mood up. Yeah, we did. We did. Up, so but, 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 but to your point, um, you know, people remember, people keep score and just, and you know, we, you know, they've jerry-rigged and gerrymandered literally the house district so much that it's really easy for some of the house of reps people to be able to be this and disingenuous and keep getting reelected because that's what their constituents want. But at some point we got to wake up on these state senators, on these U.S. senators. They represent the entire state of blank or blank or blank. And that is where the cities should be able to turn out the vote with general populations. But you got to vote. Like you got to vote because these people are, are making the wrong decisions on behalf of a very small minority of corporations and like backwards thinkers. And it's just, and it's real life and it's real death and it keeps happening over and over and over again. And it's, I mean, it's 
friggin' horrific. It's just horrific. Yeah. So it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It is. And you see the stats of my favorite stat again, not to be glib in a time like this, but was when people say, "Oh, I guess the reason there's no mass shootings in Japan is because there's no video games in Japan." Sure. Right. Like like that. That's that's so true and funny. It's sad that 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 it's funny, but it's. Absolutely, 100% true. Right. Like, every great video game we play is basically starts in Japan. So, like... Have you ever watched the credits? They're all <laughs> Japanese people who make them. And, and so, yes, there are tons of... What's the difference? You know the answer. Right. But, but also, when it comes to... When it comes to... I'm not like this gun nut where I want to pull everybody's guns away. I'm really not, right? Like... Like, I, if you have, if you have a, like a rifle that you use for hunting, if you have a handgun in your home because you feel like you need it there to protect your family, you sure. know, I don't have any problems with that. Now, what I do have a problem with is like, you know, number one, if you are hunting and you're doing big game and you're killing like lions in Africa, I think that's a problem, like the Trump kids. But also, the biggest one would be the uh, assault weapons. Like, th- there isn't a need for an average person who's not, you know, an active duty somewhere, you know, in Iraq. To, they should have assault rifles, or you know, they that that's that w- is where they make sense to have them. It does not make sense to somebody to be walking through a mall in Texas with an assault rifle on their shoulder, like thinking that they're Rambo, like trying to impress their girlfriend. It's dumb. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that the the NRA won't budge. It's it's binary. It's everybody gets to have guns whenever they want or nothing. Instead of what you said, which is most people who are common sense people, even if you don't own guns, are just like, I just don't want everybody to have whatever gun they feel like having and carry whenever they want. Like there's a big there's a big gap between no more guns and everybody gets to do whatever they want with guns. And the NRA won't budge off of Everybody wants to do whatever they want with guns, and that's the problem. I mean, it's the, the root of the problem. It's a the lot problem of problems. Is that the NRA has has as much power as they do, right? That's that's also that, that that's a, that's just as much of a problem. Like you know, even even Trump, like you know, I don't very often like say good things about him, right? But it did seem like you know he after Parkland, he had that meeting in the Oval Office, and it did seem like he was talking about some some solutions, and he was talking to Democrats and Republicans, and it was like, oh wow, is something is something gonna hold on. Is, is Donald Trump gonna surprise everyone and actually do something like helpful to the world? And then the next day, he took a meeting with the NRA, and nothing happened. Why do they have that much power? It's gross. Right, and that's the thing is that he said, like you said, give. give the guy credit he probably was like man i i gotta fix this like it's terrible and then somebody got in his ear and they were like yo nra needs to see you and they were like oh we funded your whole campaign and we're gonna fund your whole next campaign oh and you probably are pretty cool with accepting bribes too so here's a bribe and you know what i mean like you know it, it's it's i mean as my buddy jeremy johnson likes to say when he comes on the pod and waxes poetic it's all about the money <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love Jeremy Johnson, you know. <laughs> so there it is. But I don't know, man. It's a crazy world we live in. It keeps getting crazier. Uh, so yeah. But I'm I'm interested to see where these Democrats can go, and I'm interested to see who eventually kind of wins some primaries, and and how people either do or don't, um, you know, rally around that person or those people as they kind of take it into next June, next July. But holy cow, we are in an interesting spot. And it's 
I mean, I'd like to say that it's riveting, but it's there's so much more at stake than like quote political theater that I'm just I just want to get to November 2020, and I just I just hope things are, are still fair in terms of elections then. Yeah, it's, uh, that's all. That's a lot to lot to cross your fingers for. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, you know it, man. All right, well, stick around for a minute. We will catch up. Thanks for coming on and breaking it down for us people who are too busy to watch the debates. Marky Sal, where can people find some of your lovely wall prints? You know what? Uh, follow me, uh, Marky Sal underscore WD on Instagram. Nice. That's where you see most of my work. Beautiful. I've got several of Marky, Marky Sal's stuff in not only my house and my office, but also Pundit City Harrington has a few things in her place. So just saying. Anyway, nice. Mar- Marky, thanks for being on the Freestyle, buddy. Indeed.